0: You're listening to the Do The Damn Thing Podcast with Liz Heron, episode 16. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Do The Damn Thing Podcast. My name is Liz Heron and I am your personal cheerleader, helping you get off your butt and on your way to trying something new, facing your fears, or realizing your dreams. No matter what your damn thing is, whether it's asking for a raise at work, organizing your house, getting out of that toxic relationship, or pursuing your passion project, This show will provide you with real-world, tangible tips and inspiration so you can live the life you deserve. If you're ready to do the damn thing, then you have come to the right place. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's jump in. Hello, friends. How are you today? It's uh, the week after a long weekend. I hope you all enjoyed Memorial Day weekend if you got the extra time off. I headed down to Orange County, uh, about an hour south of where I live in Los Angeles, to attend my son's baseball tournament. So he's got one every year down there, and we went down and spent the weekend, and it was so much fun. It was so great. I love watching him play. I love the team that we're a part of. It's just, it's like an extended family, but I got a little bit of a sore throat, I think, from cheering and yelling and woohooing through all the games. So you'll have to excuse me if it's a little scratchy. Today's episode is one that I've been thinking about for a long time. It's something that when I kind of poll listeners and do my um, guerrilla style market research and ask you know, questions in, in my Facebook group as well as in other Facebook groups I'm a part of, this was something that kind of came up over and over as far as what is something that you're putting off doing that you know you should be doing and you just kind of can't seem to get started on it. And it was the number one answer. And it kind of took me a little while to find someone that I wanted to interview on this topic. It is estate planning, right? So if you are putting this off, you know, this, you know, why this is the number one thing, because you are not alone. So many people just don't want to deal with it, right? It seems really daunting. It seems like it's not for you. It seems like it's something for, you know, old people with a lot of money. And uh, investments and all sorts of things, but the truth of the matter is, is that there are three documents that every person over eighteen needs, and we're going to talk about it in the episode with my guest, Candace Easton, and she is a lawyer fa- based out of Portland, and she's going to walk us through all of the things that you need and how important it is to have these documents in place if you are a parent, especially of young children, but even if they're kind of grown, there's different things that you need to have in place that your kids need to have in place. If you are divorced, the things that you and your co-parent need to have in place. So it's all these really things that and it's as we were talking about, I was like, oh yeah, there's a reason why no one wants to do this because it's not it's not a whole lot of fun to think about like what's going to happen after you die and what's going to happen to your children and your assets and, you know, all those things. But it's a really, really important conversation. It's a really, really important step to take. I recently worked on a trust and a will through trustandwill.com. And I'll put their link in the show notes. It was super, super easy. It's was just something that's just a stopgap. It's not the be all end all final document. And you'll hear in the interview, Candace, you know, kind of talks about how it's really, really important to work with a lawyer on this because things are going to change. For me, I just was like, I need something right now because I'm kind of a worry wart (laughs) sometimes about that where it's like, I just want to have something in place, even if it's not completely perfect, right? Because it's about taking messy action sometimes. So I really hope that you listen to this interview, get something out of it and take that step because it really, really is important to have in place to protect yourself and the people that you love. So before we get into that, though, I want to give a listener shout out to a review that we got um, on iTunes this week from Petia702. And Petia says, a must listen to take the next step. Absolutely love the energy and insights in each episode. Liz is so authentic and shares the tips on how to get out from where you don't belong and live the life you deserve. Thank you so much, Petia. I love getting these reviews. I love getting feedback from all of you. And if you want to live the life that you know you deserve, if you're ready for more, reach out to me. I can help. Let's let's take you to the next level. You can reach me at hello at lizherron.com or just DM me on any of the social channels. I'll put them all in the show notes and, and I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Okay, that said, let's dive into estate planning. Thank you so much for being on the show, Candice. Um, I'm really excited to talk about kind of planning for the unknown. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, do you wanna kind of give a little bit of background on your practice and kind of how you kind of decided to, to focus on estate planning?
1: Okay, well, I, my practice uh, focuses primarily on estate and business planning. I started my firm in 2008, and I started my firm after doing my own estate planning for my family, and in that process, I realized that there weren't a lot of firms out there that catered on what is what became my sort of target market, and that was families that have young children. Most of the estate planning firms focus on either the elderly or the very, very wealthy, and... That means that the estate planning firm model is sort of set up in a way that doesn't really work for normal people. Mm-hmm. The families that I serve, you know, they are even if they ha- if if they have a pretty good income and um, a pretty good level of assets. Anybody that has young children is kind of living on a budget, and so doing hourly fees doesn't really work for them. So, um, I decided to start my firm, uh, with doing all flat fees, which was, Hmm. which is sort of common nowadays, but back then it was a new thing. And I just wanted my clients to know exactly what they were paying, what, what they were agreeing to and paying in advance and then, and knowing exactly what they were going to get. So that, um, made it so that my clients could contact me at any time and not worry about getting a bill in the mail. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I I have found that my contact my clients contact me a lot more than other other attorneys clients contact them. I've just kind of informal polling. I've asked other estate planning attorneys like how often their clients contact them over the years. And it's really not much at all, but my clients contact me all the time. And I also do a free plan review for my clients every three years so that they can make sure that the big investment they make in the beginning is not going to be wasted because something changed in their life and their plan is totally irrelevant by the time they die. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. So I started my firm just basically because I saw a need for the services for the, the particular market that I wanted to serve. And I, you know, estate planning is something that was always on my mind personally because my mother died when I was two and a half and she died without a plan in place. And so I lived through all of the things that I try to avoid for my clients and that I wanted to avoid for my own kids. You know, my mom hadn't named guardians and uh my dad was not suitable to raise me. And so I ended up being adopted by people that she didn't know, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is, it's fine for me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) but it probably wasn't what, if she had a choice, right? It probably wasn't, you know, if she had made a plan, that probably wouldn't have
1: been her plan for you. Right. And I wanted to make sure that my kids would end up with who I chose, you know, who the people Mm -hmm. who I felt knew them and had a relationship with them and would care for them in a way that was similar to the way that I care for them. So that was sort of my major motivation for doing my own estate planning. And I also, I moved to Oregon, Portland, Oregon is where I live. I moved here from out of state. And so I didn't have family in town who could pick my kids up right away if something happened to me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure I named short-term guardians. And a lot of my clients being, Portland is a place where people moved too. (laughs) There's a lot there's a lot of people who moved here from out of state. And so a lot of those people don't have family in town. And so naming both short and long term guardians is really important for them. Yeah, that's something I hadn't even thought of. And
0: I think especially, you know, Los Angeles is also one of those kinds of Mm -hmm. places where people move to and and maybe they don't have, you know, as large of a network. That's so interestingly, I hadn't thought about a long term and versus short term guardians.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, now I have to think about that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a thing. So yeah, those are kind of the things that brought me to estate planning. I actually, when I did my estate planning, I posted in my mom's group that I had done it. My kids were nine and two at the time and everybody, I didn't really realize that nobody Mm -hmm. had done their estate planning. So it turned out that everybody, I was the only one who had done it. (laughs) A rare moment of responsibility for me.
0: (laughs) I think when I reached out to you, it was, you know, I've done some market research as as I'm kind of looking at topics and I've done like informal, you know, just kind of polling on Instagram or in, you know, Facebook groups that I'm in about like what are some topics that people kind of want to hear about or what are some things that they're putting off doing. And I was so surprised, and maybe I shouldn't be because I also am putting it off, but like Mm -hmm. there is estate planning. So many people Mm -hmm. either brought it up on their own, or if somebody mentioned it, they would like jump right on that and be like, Oh my God, yes, I need to do that. Or I think even when I posted kind of looking for guests for this, like, you know, for experts and who I should talk to, I posted in a group and same thing, like the, the majority of the responses were people saying, oh my gosh, when you do that episode, please post back in the group because I really need that. Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone for you. I don't have anyone to recommend, but I really need help with that. So I think it definitely is something that we all know we should have it or we should have something in place, right? I think there's that not knowing what they should have in place and then not kind of knowing what it's going to entail. So, hopefully, we can break down some of that today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, what are some things that, regardless of, you know, whether age, wealth, family situation, what are some like key documents that someone should have in place? What's the basics?
1: So, I try to encourage my clients to, when they have a a kid who turns 18, um, the documents that they should get in place, having, you know, no assets. Mm Um, and being young, not really having a family of their own yet. The three major documents that I want to see for them is a durable power of attorney. So that document lets um, whoever they've named as an agent, it allows them to be able to access their bank accounts and other financial um, accounts if they're incapacitated. So, you know, if they... Are at college and they get meningitis or something, and they need to still pay their rent, their family can access their accounts and make that happen. Um, so, durable power of attorney is one. Uh, the, an, a healthcare directive here in Oregon, it's called an advanced directive. In other states, it's called um, a healthcare power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. It's really state specific for this document, but what it does is it names somebody who can make healthcare decisions for you if you're incapacitated. Um, so that is one that everybody should have as well, especially if you have a specific person who you'd want to be making decisions rather than anybody else in your family. <laughs> and then the third one that I like people to have is something that I call a HIPAA release. And that is just something that names people who can get access to your medical records to prove that you're incapacitated so that they can use the Durable Power of Attorney and the um, Advanced Directive or other health care document. Oh, okay. So those are sort of like the three major ones that every single person over 18 should have. There's a lot of situations where um, parents, you know, their college kid ends up in the hospital. And the parents can't even get info about their healthcare situation or they can't even communicate with the school to um, let them know that the kid is going to miss classes, yeah. um, that sort of thing. So all of those documents take care of um, that situation where somebody is incapacitated. As far as like with if you die, you know, I think most people should have a will. A will tells okay. um tells a court what to do with your assets if you die um, so I mean whether you when whether you do a will and it's going to be used is going to depend on whether you have assets that have to go through that probate system. Um, so not everybody is really going to have a will that that needs to be used, like if you don't have any assets, then you might not need a will, yeah, and some of the assets that you have you can. Name a beneficiary, so it doesn't have to go through the probate process. Like bank accounts, you can name a person who um, it's paid on death to. With retirement accounts and life insurance, you can name beneficiaries who get that those funds if you die. So, as far as like a will goes, it really depends on what you have.
0: And then, so I always see like in movies and stuff, you know, if somebody like you know scrawls something on a piece of paper, and, and is that like valid for a will? So what? constitutes a valid will like what do you need to have in place for it to be like okay this is going to these wishes are going to be carried out
1: this question is really um hard to answer because the laws are different in every state i don't really recommend doing it that way i don't recommend doing any of this stuff yourself well, that so... leads to my next question, which is like,
0: what, <laughs> what is the best way to create these docs? And I think I was curious to see, you know, I know you see things on like LegalZoom or mm-hmm. other like kind of websites about creating these things. Do you recommend working, doing that sort of stuff if you don't have any assets or don't have any children? Or is it best to kind of work with somebody, like an actual lawyer?
1: I think it's best... To work with a lawyer in just about every situation um, because you don't know if you made any mistakes until it's too late and you can't fix it I've seen a lot of um, mistakes with people using legal zoom and other sort of like do-it-yourself software um, you know I have a lot of clients who maybe did it that way before but then a couple years later they decided to come and see me and I'll look at the documents and find various mistakes like, oh, you accidentally disinherited one of your children. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing you didn't die. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, there's no way that you would know that unless you had a lawyer review it. Yeah. And for me, it costs nearly as much for me to review an estate plan than it does for me to just create an estate plan. So Hmm. it's not um, really cost effective to even... Do it yourself and then have a lawyer review it. It's yeah. usually not very cost effective.
0: Well that's good to know. So for parents in particular, what are some key documents that they should have in place in addition to the, you know, the those three that we talked about and then the will?
1: Yeah. So um, in addition to those, they need to name guardians. And sometimes that's done in a will, and sometimes that's done in a, a different document. Depends on the lawyer. Okay. And the state requirements. So something naming guardians, long term and short term. If you, especially if your long term guardians aren't in town, Mm -hmm. and then parents need to think about how they're going to leave their assets to their kids. So they need to. This is this is where it gets kind of tricky with assets because um, parents need to decide: do they want a will based estate plan that takes their assets through the court process called probate, or do they want a revocable living trust based plan that helps their family to avoid going through a probate situation. And so there's a variety of factors that go into making that decision. You know, some of them are how soon will your family need access to assets to support themselves? Mm-hmm. Will your guardians be able to support your kids without without access to your assets for a year or more?
0: Is that that's how long the the uh, um, court process would take?
1: Typically, yeah, it takes about a year, sometimes more. Um, well, and that's also different in every state. in In California, I hear it takes a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, the average is like eighteen months or something like oh. that. Um, so, there's that factor—the time delay. How how soon does your family need access to your assets? Also. Um, there's a privacy issue because probate is a matter of public record. So do you, are you okay with your estate being a matter of public record? It doesn't mean that they publish it on the internet or anything like that, but um, people can go and pull those records and search the court records if they want to know how much your kids are inheriting and when they turn 18 yeah, and all that stuff. So right? but some people are concerned about that. Um, and then, in some states, probate costs are very expensive, and so people um will choose to avoid it just because it's more expensive to go through a probate than to not go through a probate so I'm just
0: kind of curious what would be the benefit of going through probate?
1: Well, okay, I don't usually find any benefit of going through probate um other than if you're elderly and you know that your family is going to, um, like you have kids who are, who need court supervision to distribute your assets. That would be a benefit of probate. That's the only one I can really think of is if for some reason you need court supervision so that you can make sure that your assets are distributed how you want them to go. Um, that would be a benefit, but for most people, there's not really a benefit to probate. It's kind of like, do I want to pay more for a revocable living trust plan that avoids probate? Like, do I hate the idea of probate so much that I'm willing to pay more to make things as easy as possible for my family? Basically.
0: That makes sense. So the trust versus the probate. And then is there anything else that parents should kind of make sure is covered for their
1: kids? Okay. Let's see. Um I mean, there's, a whole bunch of documents that go into a proper estate plan
0: which is why it's a good idea to not do it by yourself
1: I imagine right yeah but I've I've named all the major ones so so in your um in your experience because
0: again I hearing so many people say you know like oh my gosh I know I should do that I've been putting it off and again myself included it's something that I keep thinking about and then um sometimes I kind of make the assumption that's like, oh, you know, my family knows or, you know, my ex-husband knows. and But it is good to have it all written down. But for some reason, people kind of put it off. In your experience and talking to, you know, clients and and folks, why why do people put it off? (laughs) Why do you find that that, they just don't want to do this or face this?
1: There's so many things. I mean, denial is a big one. Denial that you could die. I never faced that because my mom died and death has been such a huge part of my life that I always knew I could die like later this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think a lot of people are in denial that they could die. And a lot of people just don't want to go down that thought road. They don't want to think about um, the possibility that they could die. And then. A lot of people feel like um, they don't have enough money for it. Like, they feel like estate planning is for rich mm-hmm. people, which is just not true. I mean, estate estate planning, if anything, benefits non-rich people the most because you're avoiding all of these costly things that can happen if you don't do estate planning.
0: Oh, that's a great way to look at it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um if you have millions of dollars, you can afford to pay lawyers to deal with everything after the fact when it's really expensive. Um, So I think, yeah, denial about death, um, not thinking that you have enough money to do it. And then also, it's just, um, I think, overwhelming to think about who you're going to choose for different roles um it, i think it's overwhelming to even know what you're doing like who to call and what the first step to take is and whether you know you should work with a lawyer and which lawyer you should choose i mean there's just so many choices to make to even get started so yeah
0: so what do you think is the first step
1: like if someone's like, okay, i I know I
0: should do this, I'm going to do it, <laughs> but I don't know how to get started. What's the first thing they should do?
1: Well, I think asking friends that you know who um who have done estate planning um for a list of referrals. So, you know, a lot of people are in Facebook groups nowadays or other social yeah. groups like that, um where you have sort of common interests. So you might be in a in a in a group for parents so that would be a good place to ask because then they would have lawyers who have worked with parents before or you might be in like a woman's entrepreneur group and so then you would have referrals for people who have worked with people like you um so i think yeah asking around for referrals is a good way to go and then um you know, just sort of seeing what info those folks have online. A lot of lawyers a lot of estate planning lawyers nowadays have on their website a bunch of info that you can read. They'll have a blog, they'll have videos. Yeah. So you can kind of get a feel for um if you like that lawyer yeah. <laughs> and if they're tell if they're kind of telling you what um what your steps yeah. should be. So yeah, I think those are good places to start. And I think just making that first appointment, I don't actually know much about what it's like to work with other lawyers, but when people make an appointment with me, we hash out so much stuff in that first meeting. It's like up to a two-hour meeting. So people can come to me without having their decisions made on what um, who they're choosing for roles or what type of plan they want. They don't have to have that all figured out. That's what I'm there for. I'm there to give them legal advice. I'm there to learn about their family and their goals and their assets and their hopes and dreams and fears, and then advise them based on my knowledge um, about what risks they face and how to avoid any scenarios that they don't want. So, you know, you don't have to have everything figured out before you go meet with a lawyer.
0: I love that you said that because I think that is one of the things that I know I thought was like, Oh gosh, I'm like, I, I haven't thought about all these things. Like what if the lawyer asked me like what I'm doing about X, Y, Z, it's like, I don't know. So I, I love that. It's like, it's okay to not know that. And it's okay to work with the lawyer to figure that answer out Mm -hmm. or what works best for you.
1: Yeah. And I see so many people who tell me that they put it off for such a long time because they didn't know who to like name as guardians or something like that. And it's, no, I can help. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. Is there anything that, like, you want to make sure that we cover before we end? I mean, I feel like we've there's been so much information, and and like I know I'm, you know, ready to kind <laughs> of do this, to do this damn thing, cross it off my list this year. Um, is there anything else that you feel like people should know about this, or or um,
1: any other tips that you have? Well, I really want to encourage people to sort of reframe their thinking around estate planning, because I know most people have it on their list of things I need to do to be an adult, yes. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> it's it's great. And I love that feeling of, um, you know, the last appointment with clients where I give them their fancy binder with their estate planning documents. And it's a very adult mm-hmm. moment, but um, it's not a one-time event and i want people to approach estate planning really with that i don't know did you ever read the seven habits of highly successful people or hear about it um that begin with the end in mind Mm -hmm. is something that i try to live by and that i think people should um really apply to estate planning like begin with the end in mind like what do you want in these scenarios that you have to that you have to imagine happening what is the best that you can do to make that situation bearable you know if you are a parent with young children and you die when they're still young how do you want things to look you know you want to have a trustee who can step in right away and start dealing with the financial stuff you want a guardian who shows up right away you know um looking at it from that standpoint rather than I need to get these documents I need to check this off my adulting to-do list um but really trying to do the best you can to make things as easy as possible for your family is what I hope to sort of help reframe people's mindset to and it's not it's something that you have to keep keep up with over the years yeah. you know you have to you have to always revisit it because your life changes and
0: well, I love that you do that review every like, what is it, every three years. You kind of offer that because it's like, let's, you know, mm-hmm. things change and let's re-examine yeah. that. Because um, I think it is one of those things that people think, oh, once I did that, right, like you kind of brush your hands mm-hmm. and you're done with that. And now we don't ever have to think about it again.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times when I have clients who come in for their three-year review, they don't even really remember what we did together. Oh. <laughs> So I have to, I mean, even if they don't have changes to make, it's good to get a refresher of what exactly you did, what your estate plan does. And like some people don't even remember who they named as guardians or trustees. So that's interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe they're not speaking to those people anymore. They're like, oh yeah, they're not in our lives.
1: Oh, that happens a lot. (laughs) I often have to um, update the guardian nominations because people...
0: Yeah.
1: Fall out of their guardians. Yeah. Or like their kids change so much. And um, you know, you might name someone when you're when your kid is like three and then they have a totally different experience by the time they're thirteen, yeah. you know. So yeah, for sure.
0: Well, cool. Well, thank you, Candace, so much for this. This is so informative and helpful. And I really think this is going to help people, you know, like you said, like to, to begin with the end in mind and to really think about how they want to, um, leave things for their family and and for themselves. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe, share with your friends or leave a review on it. As we grow the show, I would love to hear from you. What damn thing did you accomplish this week? Is there a topic you're dying for me to explore on the show? Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Do The damn Thing Show and let me know. I can't wait to connect with you and hear all about the
1: action you're taking in your life. In the meantime, get out there and do the damn thing.